Tonight, we have Oscar Robles speaking with us about Christian friendship. He is a missionary with St. Paul's Outreach in Columbus with Ohio State University. He is originally from Miami, Florida. So today, we're going to talk about uh, Christian friendships. I might substitute Christian relationships sometimes, too. So when I, if I do, I'm talking about friendship, right? And so my hope for tonight is that we leave convicted of the need for deep, abiding relationships as Christians, but that's something that the Lord has built in us that we're made for relationships. So it's not just like an add-on to discipleship, but it's actually absolutely necessary to the Christian life. And also leave with a little bit of momentum to go and do it. So there's kind of like two different ways to kind of engage this topic. One is to be like super kind of theoretical like in theory, all the things about friendship, right? Or the other way is kind of like practical, like this is how you become friends with someone. So like the first step is to say hi. Second step, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to land somewhere in the middle. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of give a little bit of an overview of what I'm going to be doing tonight. So I'm going to give a little commentary into our culture and the world in which we live in. And then I'm going to juxtapose that, compare that with the Christian ideal. Ideally, what are Christian relationships supposed to look like? So the world that we live in today, the predominant worldview is postmodernism, right? And romanticism throughout all of history. There's just kind of this predominant worldview. In fact, I think sociologists would say that we're actually even beyond postmodernism. But for the sake of this conversation, this is where we're at. And it's kind of like it's really our worldview is really the air that we breathe. And so I want to take a little bit of time to talk about that just because Yeah, if we can say, okay, us as Christians, we may not like fall into it, but actually because we live in the world, there's there's reality that influences us. And so when I that's kind of where I want to start. So there's this book. It's written by a guy named Dr. Dale Kuhn. It's called Sex and the I World. And to kind of zero in, I wanted to like take his word, the I world, to talk about the world in which we live in, right? So when we think of I world, what comes to mind? When you hear the phrase I world, iPhone, selfish, instant gratification. Great. So I, I think those are all great. I think really when we're talking about the I world, we're talking about is this it's the world in which you live in is all framed from the reference of the self. Right? So it's all from my perspective. And we live in a world that is the aggressive form of, of self centeredness, that the self is like the sole reference point. And that influences everything, right? So it's all like my life and my world and what the frame, the, like the reference point of truth is kind of like whatever I feel like it, as opposed to what it, the truth of which what God, what God says. So naturally, like kind of like what's at the center of this like world, right? The I world is, is me, me, myself, and I, right? My life, my, my problems, it's all the reference point is all me. And really where this leads to is it, it causes not joy, but insecurity and loneliness, right? Because if our reference point is myself, well, we know that, that there's something false in that because the reference of what is truth needs to be God. And so if our reference point is ourself, then we don't know there's an insecurity of to what does it actually mean to exist? What is my role in the world, what the, the big questions of life don't make sense if it's just referenced off of me. And obviously, as you can imagine, there's loneliness 
is kind of a fruit of that, right? And so I just like mentioned kind of these things as kind of like a backdrop when we're talking about relationships because that isn't God's like plan for our life, right? God's plan is to create a people that is set apart for him, the church, men and women living a way of life set apart in relationship with one another for the glory of God. And so each of us is made for relationship, right? We're made in relationship, right? In the context of relationship, in the relationship between our mom and dad, right? We were made by relationship, right? We were created by God who we say is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And three persons, one God in perfect communion with one another, in perfect union. And that's what we were made by. We were made for that relationship. There's no such thing as, as a lone ranger Christian. You actually, it's impossible to live this life on our own to the fullness that God has for it. So it's not like a bonus to have strong, deep relationships with one another. It's, it's part of what we were made for. We were made to love and serve the Lord our God and to serve others and to love others. That's, it's part of who we are. This is just a quote from the Catechism, quote number 1878. It says, all men are called to the same end, God himself. There is a certain resemblance between the union of the divine persons and the fraternity that men are to establish among themselves in truth and love. Love of neighbor is inseparable from love of God. He goes on to say, the human person needs to live in society, so in relationship. Relationship is not for him an extraneous addition, but a requirement of his nature. Through the exchange with others, mutual service and dialogue with his brethren, man develops his potential and he thus responds to his vocation. So therefore, relationships can either be a great source of hurt in our life, or it can be a tremendous source of joy in life, right? Our relationships can be a tremendous witness of the gospel. They shall know that you are Christian by the way they love one another. So our relationship can be a tremendous witness of the gospel, or they can be something that turns people away. It's like, because I can see, okay, fine, that, that might be, that's true, but you guys don't live as if this is true in the way you relate with one another. So it's important that this area in our life, this Christian friendships and relationships, is one that has a utmost priority to our life, right? And so with this backdrop, when we're talking about the phrase, the I world, influencing all of what we do, it influences our relationships. And so most people, I would say, uh, relate based on interest. For example, I'm like friends with these guys because... I'm a huge, I play soccer growing up, so there's a common interest for soccer, and that's why we're friends. Or there's a common interest for this type of music, and that's why we're friends, but it's only based on that, right? So the natural tendency is for us to be drawn to people who are more like us, right? It's this kind of this, this preference, and it also there can be a tendency, if I'm the center, it's actually, okay, what, what is, how is this relationship actually going to benefit me? I remember when I was growing up, so I played sports my whole life, played soccer my whole life, and a lot of my friends were guys in the soccer world, and I, ha I did a terrible job, I had no idea what it was like to have deep relationships with women because, for me, in my mind, there was only a couple reasons for relating with a girl. One, I liked her, right, so that it was like this, like, okay, this person X is really pretty, there's like pleasure, I like her, so I'm going to relate with her. Two, there's just some kind of like preference of like, okay, I think we like, we share this thing in common. We're going to, we're going to like hang out, right? And those are kind of the only motivations. And I think there's something 
missing and compared to what I'm going to propose to us is the ideal, right? I think the Christian ideal is one that we're an outward, we relate to one another as an outward facing family that's deeply committed with one another, right? So an outward facing family that remains deeply committed to one another, right? And so like a family, how can we claim that, right? How can we claim family? Well, we're still in the Easter season, and so one of the things that Jesus, when he took up our sins on the cross, his passion and death, his resurrection, along with one of the things that he won for us is by baptism and access to the Father, that we can now have a relationship with the Father, and in that relationship with the Father, we were made into a new creation. We are made adopted sons and daughters of God, right? And therefore, brothers and sisters... And so the primary relationship of Christians with one another is that of brother and that of sister. So I, I'm the oldest of three boys. So I have two little brothers. And so my, uh, my little brothers, so we <laughs> grow up, we're, we're all within five years of each other. And so uh, we're really close in age. And me and my brother, David, the middle one, we used to love picking on Danny. So Danny's the youngest. Because it's as an older brother, we have a sacred duty to like keep our little siblings humble. So my, we used to like just like mess with Danny, and Danny had this incredible superpower to like summon mom at any moment's notice. So we would be like, you know, messing with Danny, and all of a sudden, like all you hear. So we, I'm I'm Hispanic, so mommy is the word for mom, right? So I, like all of a sudden, you just hear mommy, mommy, and then all of a sudden, my mom would appear out of nowhere and smack us with her sandal, right? So, but. There was one time that my brother David and I were picking on Danny for something. I don't know. I think we wanted him to play with us, and he didn't want to play. Anyways, he's like one and a half. And so he didn't want to play with us. Um, And so we're like bothering him, and he yells for our mom, and nothing happened. And then he yells again, and all of a sudden from the kitchen, all you hear is my mom's voice yell back, Danny, be quiet. And the look of fear in his eyes was the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And it was from that moment on that Danny learned how to run. Anyway, so I love my brothers, right? And so I think when we talk about family, there's a special bond that's put with family that maybe is different from friend that you had in college or a good friend that you had in high school. There's something about that relationship that me and my brothers have. You know, we didn't choose each other. Right? There, was, there was no preference there. I didn't get to handpick how I wanted my little brothers to be, but they're given to me as gift from the Lord. And the way that I see them is that there's a bond, there's a commitment there that no matter what happens, they're always going to be my brother. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be there for them. And so I think this is like a really helpful way in which we look at the ideal that, of we're, how we're supposed to relate as Christians, right? How, we're, how French are supposed to look like as Christians is because we are adopted sons and daughters of God. We are therefore brothers and sisters. And so therefore, there's a certain kind of a love and and fidelity to each other that should should look like that of blood brothers and sisters. And so there's all and there's this like tremendous like for me, my brothers, like I want them to succeed. I want them to do well. And I, I hope you can relate if you have siblings, it's kind of like I hope this is like hitting home a little bit. Pope St. John Paul II, in his book, Love and Responsibility, defines friendship. And he says that friendship consists in a full commitment of the will 
to another person with a view to that person's good, right? So we're totally concerned. It's a decision to be concerned totally for that person's good, which is completely opposite with what we were talking about earlier when we're talking about the I world, right? Because we live in a culture that's like self, it's all about me. But actually in the Lord, it's actually, it's all about the other. And so our friendship should have that reality. Relating like an outward facing family that remains deeply committed to one another. So open and outward facing. So our, our, our relationships should be one that bring forth life, right? So from our relationship with one another, there should be a witness of authentic love and fidelity to each other. So when I first, uh, so a little bit of my story, I grew up in a good, strong Catholic house. You know, I went through CCD, uh, youth group, got confirmed, all the sacraments, all the stuff. Good kid. And I got into college, and it's the first time that I'm, like, away from my family. And it's kind of this first moment of, all right, what, what is this whole, what is life actually supposed to look like? I don't know if I was, like, actually articulating these things for sure um, when I was 18. But it was this, this kind of sense of, like, okay, my, this was, like, something that was important. This faith in Jesus was so important to my parents growing up. So for me, is this just going to be a nice experience of my childhood or is this actually going to impact the whole of the rest of my life? And so I was kind of in this place of like, I don't know. You know, I don't, I, I think God is real. I've, I think I've experienced him when I was in youth group, but I actually don't know. And I um, got invited to go to, we, we do this, this thing in St. Paul's Outreach called the School of the New Evangelization, essentially a week long like conference and training for our students from all across the country got together for a week for a time of like prayer training fellowship together and this week totally changed the course of my life forever what the lord did during this week changed the course of my life forever and i don't remember any of the talks i really don't remember tons of the time of prayer well the one thing that i really remember is the relationships that i witnessed at this place like i met men and women who had, they just, there was something about the way that they related, the way that they loved one another that just spoke deep into the depths of my heart of like, whatever that is, that's what I want. These people are on fire for the Lord. They're missionary. They have a deep love and commitment for one another. And so, especially there was a group of, of guys that I got really close to that their relationship that they had with one another over the course of many years, and here they just met me, but their relationship was open facing. And in, in seeing them and in them inviting me into their life, I just got a glimpse of the relationship that can be in God. And I experienced God's love through them. And so what can happen when we're talking about, again, in the I world, we can be really possessive of our friends and very like, okay, this is my friend. And, I, you know, if you come in, you might like take away and kind of ruin what we got, a good thing going on here. But actually, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's actually by the way that we relate. That's the way that people know that we're Christian. The way that we love one another is the way that people know that we are in Christ and live a life for Christ. And the last thing is committed, right? Committed to one another, right? So that's kind of like a word that our age group doesn't, the word commitment just kind of tends to like, usually when I say commitment, like half the room is empty. Because they're probably like, okay, what do you ask me to sign up for? Like, what do you what do you want? But actually, like, I what I propose is that the ideal of a Christian friendship is that there is deep commitment to one another, right? Because you are my brother, because you are my sister, I'm actually I I want I commit to you. We're stuck, 
right? We're bound, binded together. And now certainly there's like places where that, like if you're in a, in a, in a small group at your parish, that probably has a different context, that there's a commitment there that's like a weekly thing than, you know, like someone you just see every once in a while. But what I propose that the ideal is that we are committed to one another, committed to loving one another, committed to serving one another, committed to being in each other's lives. And again, these relationships like don't just kind of magically happen, right? They take work. You actually have to like build a friendship. And again, what I want to propose to us is the ideal is that we relate to one another as an outward-facing family that is deeply committed to one another, right? And that's kind of like what Christian friendships should look like. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Oscar, this that sounds great in theory, and that's like really cool and really nice, but that's not my reality, and that's not what I experience in my life as a young professional, in my life, in, in my work, you know, even at my parish, this isn't what I experience. And I would say that's probably predominantly true. I think most people, most people that I encounter on the college campus haven't actually ever experienced deep friendships like I'm proposing is possible. And so it's really easy for us to kind of say, okay, this is actually impossible. What does this actually look like? I was thinking about how do I want to like make this a little practical here, but I'm not going to pretend to like know where you are in life and, and what obstacles you're facing. So consider these questions. First is, do you currently have in your life deep relationships like what I was talking about? If so, like, where do you experience that? And then two, and probably more importantly, is currently right now, what are obstacles in your life that keep you from actually like building Christian friendship, Christian relationships, right? So just an example, maybe it's Maybe it's actually like, it could be something as practical as like, hey, you know what? Like I work like 70 hours a week and that's just like my current obstacle is that I'm always at work and at work there's people who don't see eye to eye with this because a lot of what I'm saying, again, it's a, it's a high ideal. I get that. So take a minute or two, think about that. Again, my, my hope is that we actually like can leave here tonight with kind of a, hey, actually, I want this in my life. I know I need good friendships in the Lord. They're going to, they're going to, we're going to run together, that we're going to live life together, right? And, and these are kind of like the obstacles right now. And here, are, maybe there's, there's some like beginning to think about, because here's the thing. Our generation is the best at presenting, at like telling people what problems are but we're terrible at coming up with solutions, right? And so what are obstacles in my life? But actually, like, because I know I need this, I know I need to build it. I realize in, in my experience, the ideal that I painted isn't always reality. It's not even reality, even in our parishes. Now, maybe you came from a parish that was very, very vibrant and very, uh, like, full of life, and you've, you do, there's glimpses of what I'm, what I'm speaking about in friendships and relationships there. But most of the parishes that I've been are maybe not that. And again, it's just, it's a symptom of the world in which we live in today. But can you imagine, like dream with me that every parish actually looked like an outward facing, committed family, deeply rooted in the Lord and deeply rooted in relationships with one another. That anyone would walk into a regular Sunday mass and by the way that they related in the, pre and in the presence of the Eucharist and in the mass, just like came to know the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's the reality of what is possible.
And it's, it's what the, how the Lord ingrained in us, and it's what he's called us to, and he wants to build it. But he needs builders, right? And he needs us to actually be the generation to stand up and actually say, Lord, actually, we're going to live differently. We're going to be missionary people. We're going to be men and women who change the world here by your strength and your power. So I think it's possible. I've witnessed it. I've experienced this kinds of relationship in my life. And I'm standing before you today because of that. Um, and so I, my, my prayer uh, to all of, for all of you is that you experience deep friendships in the Lord and surround yourself with people that are living a life committed to one another for the Lord. So thank you. All right, so the first question says, can you talk about the importance of vulnerability in relationships and finding a balance? And there's parentheses, not sharing too much. This is where like the virtue of modesty comes into play. Modesty, oftentimes we just think of physical dress. But when we talk about modesty, actually modesty in its fullness is being immodest is like revealing too much. Right? It's just that's a simple kind of way to help like recognize like remember modesty, right? Revealing too much. So that's revealing too much and could be physical appearance, but it, oftentimes it's actually in in our what we speak about. Like, am I like super loose with all my deepest, darkest secrets with everybody? Right? So I think there is a place for some different levels of relationships. And a lot of that really has to do with the different levels of commitment. Right? So first and foremost, you got sacramental covenants, right? So, you know, if you're married, that relationship as husband and wife, there's probably there's things that are kind of sacred to that. That like you probably shouldn't like as a man, you probably shouldn't be sharing at the same level with coworker than like your wife, right? Because there's there's a level of commitment that matches with the vulnerability and the intimacy and the relationship there. So so I guess what I would say is that there is an importance, and a lot of that has to do with the level of commitment. But I think it is important. It doesn't mean that like on the the reverse of that, the polar opposite of that is that we never share. We're like totally closed off to everything. And we're never vulnerable in anything because that's just not going to get us anywhere. But I think there is like, it needs to be like kind of a consciousness of like, okay, when I meet someone for the first time, I'm not going to go into like, like open book of everything in my life. Does that make sense? Do you think it's harder for men to form deep friendships than women? I'm not sure if a woman wrote that or if a guy did. I'm going to say no. What I was saying before all of us are created to have and necessitate, we need to have deep friendship, deep levels of relationships in our life. So again, now we start to go into, okay, what, what are the obstacles and what are the influences of the world on the one side, right? So oftentimes as men, it's kind of like, we're not supposed to like show emotion. We're not supposed to like do this, do that, you know, so it's kind of like harder to kind of break in. I think that what I would say is that we are created different. So there's a truth in that. This is like eight different talks. But as men and women, we are equal in the fact that we are both sons and daughters of God. But there is actually a difference in the fact that God created me as a man, one of you as a woman, right? And so there's a difference there. And now, it doesn't, it's not a black and white. So sometimes we can kind of get like, okay, men are supposed to be this, women are supposed to be this. That's actually not true either. So it's somewhere in the middle. It's more of a bell curve. But I would say that the, the way in which we relate is also different, right? So... One example is I'm probably going to build a much deeper friendship and relationship with another guy by having an hour of adventure, near death, like camping, in which we don't say a word to each other, 
than an hour of sitting with that person that I just met, that other guy, having dinner. Right? That's just kind of the reality of it. Now, not every guy is like that, but that's just like, for me, that's, there's something about like the active doing stuff together that like helps foster friendships. Now, that's not an excuse for men, right? Because we're, again, we're all, we all need that level of vulnerability. We all need to have that kind of friendship, but I guess it's different. Again, much bigger topic than the time that I have. If you are in a work environment, how do you engage and create a culture of true friendship with those who have very different morals, beliefs, and ideas about, about friendship? Do you have any advice on how to make an outward-facing family more welcoming to strangers? So if I'm reading that right, it's like I, we have a set of relationships. How do we make that like outward-facing? How do we make that welcoming to strangers, right? Okay, so the, the first one, the first thing I would say with the work environment, again, I, I mentioned this kind of in passing when I was talking, but in order to, to have a deep relationship the way that God, the way they were made for, it needs to be reciprocated. So actually, like, it needs to be fundamentally with other Christians who are striving after what I am. And so what I'm saying is it's helpful to have a home base, right? So if your work environment is one that everyone around you doesn't have the morals that you have, isn't trying to live a Christian, a Catholic way of life, then it doesn't mean you don't talk to them. It doesn't mean you're not like friendly, but I still think there still needs to be kind of your home base, right? Your set of like, these are people you're running with that are you're striving after holiness together with these people. And then at work, the life that you get from those relationships can flow out in mission and loving your coworkers that maybe see the world completely different than you do. But you still love them. You're still there. You may not, maybe you don't partake and all the things, but you're still you're still there. So that makes sense. A friend of mine who works as a software programmer, he's in that kind of boat. There's not there's not a single Christian in his office. Everyone is just kind of like it's, it's, it's he's kind of alone there. But he has a, a men's group that that they meet every other week that he's committed to, and it's in those relationships is really where he sustains a lot of life, and it's a place where you can share openly about what life's going on. And those kinds of things. So when he goes to work, it's actually really cool to hear him kind of like talk about work. He's like, yeah, I've been trying, I've been like just like building relationships with the guys that I work with for over five years now. And maybe someday there's enough trust that's going to be built in so that he can like proclaim the gospel and like invite people into a relationship. So anyway, so some of that, it takes like years to do something like that. So this other question of like, do you have any advice on how to make an outward facing family uh, more welcoming to strangers. I don't know. I think I think a lot of that is looking for opportunities to invite people into your life. You know, so for example, something like this is a great opportunity to invite coworker to this. There's like a bunch of people. We're gonna have beers. We're gonna eat. The guy's gonna give a talk. Uh, but come check it out. And so it's a way that that you're inviting them into an environment that's like, you know, it's not just like like a dinner where you know, then you pounce on the person, but like you're inviting them into your friendships. You're inviting them into uh, life and, and doing, basically when I ta- think of evangelization, I think of do what you love and invite people into it, right? If I love fishing, if we're a group of us that we love fishing, I'm going to invite people into fishing because when I'm fishing, I'm alive and that's attractive. So then this next question is strategies to help 
just as strategies to help conversations happen. Ask questions. For me, the most thing that I found helpful is, is just asking questions. It could be simple as like, when I'm in a conversation, I like to try to find what people are passionate about. What makes them come alive? What's the one thing that like, when you hit that topic, they're just, you're gonna, they're gonna talk your ear off. So for me, it's kind of like a game. Like I just like trying to kind of ask questions. And then based on that, you just kind of keep flowing. I, I don't know. That's How were deep relationships found in your life? I think in my life, I, honestly, I was pretty lucky in the sense that when I was in college, I came across St. Paul's Outreach. Even though they weren't at my campus per se, but I got really involved through some of their other activities. And so a lot of these relationships were there for the taking. Right? They were there for me. Um, now, there had to be a decision made to actually invest. So a lot of those relationships that I found were in there. But honestly, like, what I found is that since I've left college and in my, my, my job as a missionary has shifted a little bit. My first three years, I was like on the ground living with college students. We run household programs. So I was with them. I was leading Bible studies with students. But this is my first year as a, in a different position. And so actually, like, I'm actually not as like front lines, if you will. I'm kind of supervising and stuff. So I'm actually realizing in my life again, the importance of relationships and then the importance that I have to go like find it. It's not actually not just going to come to me. There actually needs to be some intentionality and some work and saying, okay, I know that this is a, needs to be a priority in my life. And certainly I can come home from work and watch sports all night or get ready for the next day. But actually it's so much, it's so much more fruitful for me to actually say, okay, I got to eat dinner. So let me just see if someone, if, if there's someone that we can, I can have dinner with, someone who I met, you know, at Theology on Tap, someone who I met at a, in a young adult group, you know, at a church, small group. We used to have this mantra of like, never eat alone. Always use the, those times of meals to use them as opportunities to build relationships. So point being, that's kind of what I've experienced in my life. How do you end a Christian friendship in a way that is loving and respectful? Okay, so that's kind of hard to answer without knowing the actual like circumstance. I guess what I would say is that I wouldn't use the term Christian friendship as like a title. It's not like boyfriend or girlfriend. It's, it's just kind of like it is, it is what it is. And so one thing I will say, though, is that sometimes the Lord puts people in our life that we wouldn't have necessarily chosen, but they're really good for us. I'm sure we've all experienced that, that we probably wouldn't have chosen them. And they absolutely rubbed me the wrong way. And there's, we have absolutely nothing in common. And I've had experiences of that uh, where I found myself, you know, I was living in a, in a summer household program and <laughs> the dude that one of the guys I was living with, just everything he did just absolutely annoyed the crap out of me. And we had absolutely zero in common on a natural level. Every, we all like, he grew up in Minnesota. I grew up in Miami. It's totally different worlds. And yet, like, I would have never chosen him as a friend. But yet we found ourselves in, in an environment and there was a decision that we both had to make that, hey, are we actually going to like commit to building a relationship? And actually the Lord really used that in my life a lot in that relationship. And he's actually become one of my dear brothers, right? We don't, again, we still don't like any of the same thing, but he's one of my, he's one of my strongest brothers in the Lord. I guess that's just one thing I'll add to that question. Thank you for having me. <laughs>